Hey guys, Coach Amanda here with the Richmond Goalkeeping Academy and co-host of Coffee and Leadership with Pros. Today we have our Q&A episode. We just finished a webcast with former Manchester United goalkeeper Roy Carroll and what a treat. We had a few former MLS pros and current pros drop in to say hello as well and ask some questions of their own um, as well as many of our supporters of RGA and uh, current academy players uh, from Richmond uh, who got to ask and pick his brain on different questions on leadership, uh, playing the game, and and who Roy looked up to. So we think you guys will enjoy. And as always, a shout out to our coffee of choice and our sponsors, The Local Cup. They are still open. Follow them on Instagram at The Local Cup. They are um, have their mobile truck out in local neighborhoods serving up coffee in the mornings. And also their store does have limited hours, but they are still open. Hashtag support local. Enjoy. So we just asked if everybody could make themselves visible. Um, uh, and um, you guys can take yourself off mute. Let's do a few introductions. I am Amanda Forrester. I um, am the founder and owner of uh, the Richmond Goalkeeping Academy. And um, so grateful to have Roy on. Uh, Roy and I um, <laughs> had randomly met um, through a hilarious story. Uh, we will leave that um, <laughs> between us at the convention, but um, I, I definitely uh, just was grateful we crossed paths in January. Um, learned a lot from him in the few days we got to spend time fellowshipping with uh, friends uh, of the game and other coaches and uh, so forth. So, Brody, my main man, you like ready to train. You know, this is QA, right? <laughs> okay, all right. You tell him to do whatever you want, Roy. If you want him to do a wall sit for an hour, it, it's he's one of ours. So, <laughs> but uh, I see John Bush. What's up, Bushy? Good morning or afternoon, I guess, to everybody. <laughs> Roy, good, how you doing? good evening, how you doing? Roy. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah. How are you keeping? Uh, you know, just uh, trying to keep myself busy. You? Yeah, just doing the same thing. Trying to keep yeah. busy. Pull, pulling my hair out, what, what's left of it. Yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling. So, so. Well, good to see um, you. You too, pal. Um, we, uh, we also have Nico, and Nico's been doing some work. Um, I met Nico through Bushy. Um, he's a part of the HPG family. If you guys don't know, John Bush owns um, High Performance Goalkeeping, awesome goalkeeping glove uh, that he designed with uh, himself and some of his former pro buddies. And um, they sponsor us GloveWise. And um, Nico uh, is preparing, hopefully this year, to go to Italy, if all is well with what's going on in the, the world. So Nico, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, how's it going, everybody? Roy, pleasure to meet you. Um, yeah, so happy to be here. Excited for the conversation. Hope everyone's uh, doing well and safe. Awesome, awesome. Um, looks like we just had somebody log on. So whoever you are, iPhone, please uh, show yourself if you could. And uh, Kirby, if you could as well. We're just going to have everybody real quick introduce. Uh, I'm going to introduce Bella. She's one of our RGA goalkeepers, our elite keeper. She's uh, here in Fredericksburg, where I live, which is about 50 minutes north of Richmond in our academy. Um, how about, who is a CU101394? Are you from Ireland? I know we got a few Irish people here. 
we are very shy over here. The Irish is very shy, so. Kind of looks like Jonathan. Jonathan? Say it's Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, that's an American. Uh. <laughs> What's up, Jonathan? Can you introduce yourself? You're brand new to RGA. Yep. So who are you? Where do you live? My name is Jonathan. I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. Right on. Awesome. Mr. Mitch. Tell us who you are. I'm Mitch Bogdan. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Right on. Seth, I see you. I'm Seth Langenfeld, and I'm from Mechanicsville. So these are a lot of my RGA kids here. Uh, Charlie, quiet. <laughs> Charlie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, I think his connection's kind of rough. We'll come back to you, Charlie. Hannah. I'm Hannah Cooper. I'm from Virginia. Awesome. I'm not sure what's going on with Charlie. He's got a bad connection, I think. Brody. Come on, man. Brody Blue, and I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. Good on. Tay? Uh, I'm Taylor Woods. I'm from Chesterfield, Virginia. Yep. Evan. I'm from Mechanicsville. Right on. He's with RGA as well, Roy. Marcus. Hey, Roy, um, if he says anything about Man City, you have my permission to shut him down. <laughs> Lots of love. Marcus. Oh, my name is Marcus Andriano, and I'm from Chesterfield. Nice. Ryan. Uh, I'm Ryan Corson. I'm from Richmond as well. Hi, Amber. Welcome back. Hi. Oh, I'm Amber, and I play in Dallas, Texas. Right on. What's up, John? Welcome back as well. Go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, guys? I'm John Hollinger, and I'm from Fairfax, Virginia. Right on. And who's iPhone? Okay. Who are you? Yes, you. Ponytail. Blue shirt. Mm -hmm. Ah, sorry. My name's Chase Sickle. I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. Right on, Chase. I, I'm supposed to meet you. You're supposed to come train with us. Right on, I look forward to meeting you soon, man. We're starting right, we're getting ready to start our, well, we have started our satellite camp, campus uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, three hours from Richmond. So um, good to see a lot of you Lynchburgers on here. We do miss you. Um, and Kirby, what's up, man? Hey there, how are y'all? Good, check, I check hear you know out. Nico. What's up? I hear you know Nico, is that right? You know Nico? Oh, wait. I don't know. <laughs> Might be a different Kirby. Oh, my bad. How did you hear about us? Uh, my This is actually my wife. Uh, it's Kirby. She set this up for my son. So we're just listening in. Awesome. And who's your son? His name is Anders. Okay. Are you from uh, We're in Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, glad to have you guys on. So Thanks. You are welcome. So here's a... Uh, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let John just say a few things really quick. And uh, Roy, um, I just would like you to, to talk uh, about your background. John, if you could tell us a little bit of your background, it's a treat to have you on here as well. Definitely appreciate your time. Uh, and then Roy, tell your story and we'll open it up uh, for some Q&A. 
John, did you get that? Which John are you talking to? Oh, Bushy, sorry. <laughs> Bushy, can you tell us a little bit of your background? <laughs> uh, I think everybody knows who I am on here. I think I've met most of you guys through the last week or two on uh, videos and, and whatnot, but I'm John Bush, uh, former pro, now just retired old man trying to keep the bus moving forward, but uh, played in the MLS for a few years, played in the USL, um, now own John Bush Goalkeeping and HPG High Performance Gear, which is a, a glove company that I've run and owned for the last nine years. Right on, right on. All right. Well, as people get on, um, we'll just have them kind of go with the flow. But uh, Roy, tell us a little bit of your background. Uh, you played. I know you played for my favorite team in the whole wide world. So... Um, I've I've got many teams, so can I just go <laughs> through a, a couple of There's teams? There's only one. Is that There's possible? only one. No, just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, tell us your story. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Everybody good? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good to see you. Uh, I started off uh, as a, a striker when I was 10 years old. I uh, started off playing as a goalkeeper when I turned 14 because I was too small to be a keeper. My teachers never bought me in goals because I was too small. I was only, I never started growing until I was about 14 years old. And uh, that's when things changed for me. And uh, the opportunity to play in goals because my father was a goalkeeper. It was, it was a, I always watched my dad playing in goals and uh, just watched the way he played. I never had goalkeeping coaching in my country until I left to move to England. And uh, I moved to England when I was 17 years old, which it was. It was very, very scary coming from a small country, Northern Ireland, with 1.4 million people living in it. And uh, I lived in a small village with about 100 people in it. And uh, it changed my life. Uh, I was homesick for the first two months in England. And uh, my father told me, spoke to my dad. My dad came over a few times, spoke to him. For I was, I was asking, can I come home? I was really homesick, missed my family, my friends. And he said, uh, stick it out and things will turn around. And it did. I worked hard. I met new friends outside the game. I met new friends inside the game. And uh, it was an interesting future for me. But my biggest club I ever played for, I think everybody knows it, is Manchester United. Uh, I've learned a lot at Manchester United with Sir Alex Ferguson as a manager. And uh, you had uh, the likes of Ronaldo coming through as a young player. David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane. It was, it was great times for me, four years at Manchester United. And, uh, what, of course, we won the Premier League, won the FA Cup. My last game for Manchester United was in the FA Cup Finals 2005 against Arsenal. I see a young, a young guy there who's got a, an Arsenal top on him there. He's an Arsenal fan. So, uh, they, beat, they beat us on penalties in 2005, and that was my last game for Manchester United. I can go on and on. I've had loads of teams. I've had loads of teams. I've played for West Ham. I've played for Hull City. I played for Wigan, I played for Glasgow Rangers, Derby County, I moved to Greece, I played for a small team in Greece called Offi, I played for Olympiagos, one of the biggest clubs in Greece called Olympiagos in Athens, and I moved back home to play for Notts County. Uh, funny enough, that was my dad's team when he was growing up, Notts County, so I finished my professional career in England with Notts County, and I moved back home to Belfast and played for my local team called Linfield and they were the semi-pros so that was a short that was a short way of telling my life but I have a lot of stories 
I've a lot of other stories. So if there's any questions you want to ask, I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to answer them. So I don't want to say too much, too much. So we get in do the questions and answer them. So that's okay with you, once. Yeah, you played 22 years professionally. Isn't that right? Was that long? I never even thought that was that long. I know you're the same age as Bushy, so I know you, you guys are stretching it out like Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, it's it's scary how quick it goes. I'm telling you, it goes so quick. I remember when I was 21 and I had a meeting and I had a meeting at Wigan because I was I was leaving Wigan to go to Manchester United and uh, I had an option to go to Manchester United, be coached coached every day by a goalkeeping coach. It was funny to say because when I moved to England. We never had full-time coaches. They only came in once a month, maybe once every two months. So I never had really full-time coaching at Hull City or Wigan. And uh, I moved, once I moved to Manchester United, uh, things changed for me. I've learned a lot off the field. I learned how to be a, a winner because Manchester United, when you're walking through them front doors, you had to be a winner, especially when you had the likes of Roy Keane as a player and Gary Neville and Ryan Giggs. That is just the attitude of the players. We want to... We want to win every game on the pitch and every game off the pitch, if you know what I mean, in training games. Little five-a-sides, that's, that's all it was like at Manchester United. But 22 years was a long time, but trust me, it goes very, very quick. Hey, uh, since you brought up Man U, I remember <laughs> asking you about this story too, uh, a little bit, and I know a lot of people have asked it. You, you, um, you got to spend part of your interview uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the most respected coaches in the Premier League, now retired. Um, can you tell us that experience about, you know, coming in as a rookie uh, in the Premier League and sitting down with somebody of the caliber? Uh, what was running through your mind, but what was that conversation like behind closed doors? It, it was a bit difficult because had, uh, I nearly moved to Leicester before that, you see. Leicester City, they just got promoted to the Premier League. They put a bit into Wigan. Um, Wigan uh, accepted the uh, the bid, so I went down to Leicester uh, to speak to Peter Taylor, who used to be the England manager. He was the Leicester manager at the time. We shook hands on it. I never signed the contract because I had to go and speak to the wife. Uh, went back up over the weekend and uh, got a phone call on a Sunday. Peter Taylor of Leicester rang me up and said, "Roy, apologise because uh, we've just got promoted. I want an experienced goalkeeper. I was only 23 at the time. I never had experience in the high level." So, uh, he, I don't know, John, you might know this keeper, Ian Walker, yeah, yeah. used to be at Spurs. Yeah. They, end up, they end up getting him to come in. So, I was really upset and uh, my agent rang me. My agent over here rang me and said, uh, so Alex wants to speak to you. And I just put the phone down because I didn't believe him because I don't know why Manchester United was looking for me because I didn't, you, you don't think like the biggest club in the world is interested in me. Uh, and then... I got a phone call and uh, he rang me back again. He says, yes, uh, so Alex wants to speak to you. So I went down the next day to speak to him for about, it was, must have been a good hour and a half talking. And we think we talked about, most of the thing was talking about my family life and off-field life for the first hour. And then the th uh, last 30 minutes was just talking about Manchester United and what he wanted from me and for the future. And it was interesting because... He's a family man and he wants players to be settled at Manchester United. And I think that's the way uh, soccer clubs have to be. And especially over here, um, the limelight over here, you can't really do much over here when the press, you go out and with your friends. There's always TV cameras on top of you. And I think that's why Sir Alex wanted players to settle down as quick as possible. And he speaks about families and uh, things like that there. That's really cool. 
That is really cool. Well, who wants to ask the first question? Really? Nobody. That's good. Oh no. I can. John. Don't be, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Yeah, Trust me. Okay. I am nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous here. Hannah, let's go. Um, how did it feel to like finally retire after that long time of just playing soccer? You know, constantly. It was. You see, I had. I had to retire because I had a bad injury. I was still playing. I'd done my ACL, ruptured my ACL last season. And uh, it was uh, last January. Uh, mm. I'd done my ACL. So I had it in the background. I, I wanted to open a, co a goalkeeper school called RC1 Coaching over in Northern Ireland. Uh, because the, ki the, the, the young kids, the young kids over here, uh, I'm trying to help them uh, to get the proper coaching, what they need. Because I never had it when I was young. Um, and that, that's what I'm trying to do over here now. But it was disappointing. The first three months, four months of the season, that was really hard for me. But I knew my time was going to come sooner or later because uh, you start getting little injuries. And uh, that's, that's what happened to me. Uh, I was picking up injuries, had uh, sore backs, sore knees. It took me about two or three days to recover from games. And uh, I think somebody was trying to tell me my time was up. That's awesome. Okay. What's that? Sorry? I'll, go, I'll go next. Yeah. Um, so when you were playing professionally over this, this long span of 22 years, what do you think your biggest weakness was? And like, what did you do to improve that? What did you do to, to kind of make it not your biggest weakness, obviously? See, like I said before, was uh, I never had really proper goalkeeping coaching until I was moved to England. And even when I moved to England, I might only had coaching probably once or twice a month. And uh, I was in League Three at the time, League Two, sorry, it's called now. But and back in the day, it was League Three, and uh, we only had a goalkeeping coach coming in twice a month. So you'd be lucky. And then uh, what I started doing, I started watching my first team goalkeeping coach and see what he was doing in games, and uh, started watching YouTube, YouTube's and trying to start looking at other keepers what they do and trying and take little techniques off other keepers because my technique was awful. But I had the ability to get up, get myself out of trouble because I was very, very quick to get out of trouble. But um, someone sent me a Twitter uh, video over. Uh, it was me playing for Hull City back in '95, and I had to turn it off because I'm embarrassed for myself because the technique was all over the place. But uh, it, it, it's like you have to learn, no matter what. You may not, you may not have a goalkeeping coach. You have to learn yourself. Uh, it's good to have a goalkeeping coach. Um, when I moved to Manchester United, and that's what made me make a decision to move to United, uh, not just playing for Manchester United. It's, he had a goalkeeping coach who, who, who I respected, uh, Tony Colton. I know him really well. And you had Fabian Bartes, who, who won everything in the, in the game. And then you had the likes of the players at the outfield. So for me, as a, uh, growing up, I was learning every time by myself. And uh, that was very difficult. But when I got full-time goalkeeping coach, it just came natural. And it was really, really good. And by the way, I had about 20 goalkeeping coaches in my career. 20 goalkeeping coaches I had in my career. And every single one of them, I took something away from it. Because some, not all of it worked for me. But some of it does. Trust me, some of it did work for me. And I always said, uh, I always say I do Q&As all over Northern Ireland, all over England. And I said my best goalkeeping coach was... Uh, a guy in Olympiagos. He was he was excellent for me. He changed my career. We're 33 years old, 34 years old. He changed my style of goalkeeping, and uh, I thought more about the game, and uh, I thought more about the players when the players are coming in and uh, one on ones, and what way you have to try and play against one on one. So goalkeeping is very interesting. 
That's awesome. Can you talk about that actually a little bit, um, Roy, with the goalkeeping yeah. coaches? Because, you know, we here in the U.S., I mean, John can attest to this. We were actually talking with John a little bit um, last Friday um, about this. Uh, you know, you, you get a lot of advice from different goalkeepers. And, you know, okay, <coughs> you want to respect them. They're in a leadership role. But maybe you disagree with them. Um, how did you work through that at such a high level? It was uh... – the thing is, like, uh, the, uh, my great goalkeeping coach, I tell you the truth, me and my, my great goalkeeping coach, we, we probably had a few rows once a month because it was really hard work. And there's things when I was playing, things I was playing, I was thinking, this isn't going to work for me. But when, when I, then I just sat back and had an open mind and listened to the coach, what he had to say to me, uh, not, not during training, but after training. And that's why you need to have a relationship with your goalkeeping coach because you can't just go in and shout at the young goalkeeper and say, do this, do that. And especially when you have a senior goalkeeper who's been playing for a lot, a lot, a lot of years, like Fabian Bortes and myself. Uh, he, he sat me down and we had a good talk. And I was 34 years old by this stage. And we had a good talk. And we'd done it for two or three months. And it worked. It worked. It changed. We worked hard, but it was very, very uh, high intensity for about... Three, three, three uh, reps. You have a break. Go again for another three reps. It was really short reps. Uh, when I was growing up, it was like you could do about ten reps, and then back up again, do another ten reps of goalkeeping training. But football is changing, and it's still changing. So um, that's the thing with me. Uh, you have to have an open mind with your uh, with your goalkeeping coach, and that's what's a good thing about me because I become a goalkeeping coach now, and I I have an open mind for these young keepers because I like coaching kids from nine years old up to sixteen, seventeen because uh, you can get them for, from the start and then you can work on them from the start. And that's what I like doing. Yeah. And we got a question that just came in. Somebody uh, sent us a message. It says um, uh, It's from Vasily, who's on with us. He's got a lot of background noise. He said, throughout your career, what were the common threads you noticed in most effective goalkeeping coaches you had? What about the worst ones? Any specific examples? I don't say the, the worst ones. I just said it was like... Uh, Back in the day when I was in the 90s, like 90s is a long time ago, you know what I mean? Goalkeeping, goalkeeping coaches don't have the, uh, the qualifications, what they have now. Uh, there, there might have been uh, senior goalkeeping coaches who's just retired, or maybe uh, a goalkeeping coach uh, plus a, a player as well. But uh, it was more, uh, when I was growing up, it was more volleys, volleys, volleys. That's all it was. It wasn't like all talking about the game now because you have the technology to do this now. You have these, uh, you have, like, uh, you have, uh, websites you have everything you can watch every game all over the world and uh, that's the interesting thing now, back in the day back in the day you never had that so the the goalkeepers sorry but that's I don't know what's happening here can you I, hear me I think somebody dropped their phone it's all right you're yeah. good go ahead so uh, so it's interesting for me uh, looking now from when I was growing up uh, what, what goalkeeping the knowledge they have now because they can, they can watch any goalkeeper any goalkeeping session all over the world but back in the day it was it was hard sometimes when you was just getting volleys volleys but back then you didn't realise what it was because you don't know if it was bad or good if you understand uh, because it was just because when you were growing up you, your coach would tell you they would do this volleys uh, volleys striking off the ball outside the 18 yard box but now you it's completely different now. And you see everybody putting video sessions up on YouTube and it's crazy. Goalkeeping's gone crazy. It has. It has. All right. So this came from one of our youngsters. Jonathan, can you raise your hand? 
Jonathan wants to know, do you wish you played for Man City? Man City? Who's, who's Man City? I played against Man, I played oh, against Man City. <laughs> is he there? Where is it? Where yeah, he's is right it? here. Stand up, Jonathan. He's wearing his I'm Man City shirt. Is he? <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I played against Man City in League Two back the time when Man City went down the League Two. When I was at Wigan, they beat us in the playoffs. They got they they beat us by a lucky goal. It was a lucky goal, trust me. It was a lucky goal. <laughs> <laughs> They're just better than you, so. Can we add, uh, see Man City? Man City were a good team. Let me know if you want me to moderate this at all. You know. <laughs> <laughs> good lad. Uh, so, anybody else have any questions? Come on, I do. Quiet. Who? Who's that? Brody. What's up, my man? It's cut knock. Um, what college did you play for? What college? Uh, over here, you go straight to. Uh, back in the day, it was YITS, like a scholarship uh, for whole city. I just turned seventeen. It's different over in America. Over here, it's like uh, you go to a, a professional football club at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old. So you do. And then if you're good enough, you become a professional footballer. And I was quite lucky. I turned a professional footballer after three or four months with Hull City. So uh, I, never, I didn't go to college. I wish I did, though, because I'm not the brightest in the world. Yeah, so the, that Hull City, because I actually, when I was younger, the women's side reached out to me when I was 16. And, and basically, if, if I understand it correctly, you go to the university or whole city university or you go to whole city, you play in the professional club, you play regular games, you're trained at a higher level, but while you're there, you get to go to school for free and study specifically something in sports management or coaching. Is that correct? That's, that's when you're, I think it's, that's when you're 13, 14 years old, 15. Mm -hmm. I think you go to college maybe once or twice, uh, twice a week. Uh, no, Back in back in my day, we only probably went once once to uh, to a school, but now in uh, the big big clubs in, in England, they've changed it for these kids to get caught, uh, to to be taught uh, outside football as well because you need it you need it as well you need things outside football just in case it doesn't happen, and I have started doing that. And uh, when I was at West Ham doing a tournament last year, West Ham uh, said that their young players from 13, 14, 15 go to school. Pick them up, pick them up from uh, from school, and then do training sessions five days a week after mm -hmm. school. So that's what the West Ham used to do. So it was very interesting to listen to that. But then other clubs, uh, when the lower you go, uh, you probably only go to university or sorry, colleges uh, twice a week. That's awesome. Yeah, did I answer your question, Brody? Yeah. Anybody else Good have any man. questions? I have a question. Who are you? How old were you when you went to Man United? How old was I? Mm -hmm. How old? Yeah. I, I was, uh, let me think here, got me thinking here. I was turning 24. I was 23 at the time, I was turning 24. So I was, uh, it was interesting because I think it was, yeah, I was 23 at the time, yeah. I was very young. I was young. Uh, keepers are young them days. Uh, now football's changing so much. Uh, it doesn't age doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in football and soccer. Um, back then you had to be 
28, 29, and uh, I was lucky. That's why I played in the lower leagues. I played in the lower leagues. I worked from the bottom, worked myself up, and I was working. Uh, I was in League Two, League One, Championship, and then the Premier League. So I've played in all the leagues in, in English football. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, hi, Roy. Um, what was the best part in your career and also maybe the toughest part in, uh, during your career? Yeah, the, the, I think my best was signing a professional contract. I remember when I was speaking to my teacher, 15 years old. Uh, he said, what would you like to do when you leave school? And I said, I want to be a professional soccer player. And uh, he uh, basically, he just says it's very difficult to be a, a professional soccer player in this part of the world because where I was living, it's in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. And uh, it was difficult, but I got that opportunity. And uh, I think it was in England for three months and I ended up signing the professional contract. That was the greatest time of my life, apart from my kids being born. Mm. And... Uh, and then uh, uh, I had a lot of, of course, we all have ups and downs. You're going to have more, more downs than ups in, in, in soccer, trust me, especially goalkeepers. It's, it's a difficult, difficult area to be. We have to be mentally strong. We have to be, we have to be mentally strong, prepare, concentrate for 90, 95 minutes. No matter how long you play, you have to keep concentrating as long as you can until the final whistle. Because if you make one mistake, uh, it's a goal. and It's the way you come back from it. Uh, you have to bounce back very quickly because if you don't concentrate, it will be another goal. But uh, I had a really, really bad time in my career. And that's when I moved to West Ham. And uh, that was the hardest problem in my life. Uh, I ended up uh, having a, a, a depression breakdown. Had a breakdown at West Ham. Had a back operation. I was out for 10 months, 11 months. And it was really, really difficult because... And back then, people thought I was, I was a joke of the pack. Oh, Roy's a great guy. He's all right. He's always smiling. He's having a joke and all that kind of stuff. But it was really, really hard because for 10 months, 11 months, I never played football. Never played the game. I never trained. I didn't do nothing for 10, 10 11 months. So when I was growing up, all I was prepared to do was play, play, play in goals. And when I lost that opportunity, that really hurt me. And I wasn't prepared for that. And... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to help younger kids out about it now because we're all going to get injuries. You have to be mentally strong. How are you going to come back from it? And I wasn't mentally strong. So that was my really, really disappointed of my career at that time. But things happen for a reason and it's made me a stronger person. That's and awesome. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that's like one of the top things that, you know, we've got a couple of kids in the last few months that have had some pretty big injuries. Hey, Brody, I'm going to mute you. Can you keep yourself muted, buddy? <coughs> the background noise. Um, so, um, basically, they've had injuries. We just had one player who um, just went into her second surgery in four months. Uh, another one tore ACL for the third time, um, going into another surgery. Um, and so what, how, how did you bounce back from the mental? Like, what did you do? Did you have self-talk that you got through? Was it association? It's, 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 um, it's very hard. It's, it's hard to say, you know, I mean, for me to say this in, front, in the cameras, like, but I want, I want these people to understand what, what I went through. I just didn't, it just didn't happen for me. It took me three years. I turned out I'm an alcoholic. I drank very, very heavily because depression took over from me. 
and uh, I moved to Denmark. I moved to Glasgow Rangers. I moved to Derby County. Moved to Denmark. In them three years, I was moved, I was at three clubs in three and a half years, and the drink was following me everywhere. And uh, I think it was about three and a half years. And I woke up and I looked in the mirror and didn't even recognise myself. And uh, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, my wife, and my kids, uh, we were separated, and uh, it was really difficult. But things this. Things I look back now and say how selfish I was because there's people out there who don't come back from injuries. You know what I mean? There's people out there who don't come back from injuries, and I I had the opportunity to come back. But when you're when you're injured, you don't realise. You're just thinking about yourself. You're not worried about anybody else, and uh, that's that's what happened to me. I took over the depression, and depression took got me. I'm still fighting it every day because depression's a really bad thing to have, and uh, for me to keep my mind active. It's it's that's the main thing. Every day I do is trying to keep my uh, brain active, and uh, I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying seeing these kids growing up. But it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to work hard at it. And uh, I I didn't I I couldn't handle it for three years, three and a half years. And uh, I I was lucky. I got I got a phone call from a Greek agent and asked me to go to Greece. And that when I moved to Greece, that changed my life completely. And then my wife, we me and my wife and my kids. We all end up going back out to Greece and uh, changed my life around. My wife came back to me and uh, I went back to my wife and we're still together. And uh, it's, it's difficult being a, being a, any sports, any professional sport is a hard, hard life. But it's, it's successful if you make it and you can be very strong with yourself and mentally strong. And uh, that's what you need. As a, as a, especially goalkeepers over here goalkeepers are different breeds that's what they always say people say all over the world we're different animals we're different breeds but at the end of the day we still have it we still have a conscience and when people uh shout at me when i'm playing when i used to play carol you're not this you're not that <laughs> you have to watch what you're saying and 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 it's like hits me in the back of the head it goes away you go home you're thinking we won the game and that's what that's what it's all about. You don't want anybody but you down because there's a lot of people out there who want to put you down. Uh, there's not too many people out there who want you to succeed. That's there's a lot of truth in that. John and I have had several talks, even even as a business owner, and you know it's everywhere in life. You know whether it's professional sports or playing at the youth level, um, you're going to have people who are not your fan and they're competing with you, and you know you're definitely right. You got to compete with yourself, keep you right. Um, I think um, this kind of just brings a question that I think everybody can benefit from based on what you just said there. But right now it's tough times for coaches, parents, just you, the kids not being able to play. It's almost like being injured. You know, this is totally out of our control, just like an injury is. I mean, what's your advice with, and I know it's new to you too, What's hmm. your advice that you're telling your goalkeepers over there in Ireland, um, you know, uh, to help get them through um, the pause in playing because of the coronavirus? See, um, with my RC1 coaching um, on my Facebook, I do, I'm doing a little things out in the garden and posting it through to my Facebook. Uh, sometimes I'm putting videos of myself letting goals in because it's just a bit of, <laughs> bit of, bit of fun. Uh, the goal against Spurs, I've put that up, and a lot of people having it, having a bit of fun with that. There, uh, you have to laugh, you have to keep smiling, keep keep strong, keep very strong because uh, these days you have these opportunities. You've got webcasts, you've got Facebook, you've got everything you want. Uh, back in the day when I was growing up, you might have a Nokia phone with just 
messages and stuff out there but now you've got everything you can still keep in touch like uh, you can facetime your keepers if you want you can facetime the parents and tell them make sure they keep working and and keep them uh, keep them active because it's very important to keep these kids active because they're full of energy and that's why i love coaching young kids because when i go and coach young kids it makes me come alive and it's it's brilliant yep yep i think bushy can agree and nika too keeps us forever young right guys <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying. Yeah. Right. Anybody else have any questions? Roy, can you talk about uh, the goalkeeper union when you were at, uh, well, any place, but specifically Man, U, Man United when, you know, obviously Fabian was there and Fabian had done everything. And then that's my first question. And the second question, you know, is what's the difference or what did you feel the differences were when you went from, you know, playing in the UK for so many years to, like you said, going to Olympiacos or even some of the other stops in other in some of the other continents. The differences, the similarities, that sort of thing in the goalkeeping world. Yeah. Um, when I was playing Fabian Bortes, it was very interesting. Very interesting, Fabian Bortes. Is. He's, uh, his style was completely different than mine. Uh, he was brought up and playing on, uh, like, really firm surface so he was catching the ball further behind and sliding on his side do you understand john yeah, you know what yeah. i'm trying to say mate yeah uh, so he wasn't getting the ball out in front he was get get catching uh, sliding out in the, uh, on his side but he was a very i remember when i he was i think it was his last year and he came up to me and says roy we're not goalkeepers we're footballers now and that was 14 years ago so yeah. it was and 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 look at it now uh you go to a watch uh a football match, you have to, the keeper has to, the goalkeeper has to be unbelievable of his feet. He has to be this. He has to be the good of his feet, and uh, everybody wants to play from the back. And he was right. Bortes is right, but I think he came too early because at his end of his career, he was trying to do too much outside the eighteen yard box, and he got caught a lot outside the eighteen yard box. But um, when he left, we had another uh, uh, a young American keeper that came in, Tim Howard, who was yeah. really, really. I really enjoyed playing for Tim Howard. Really nice guy. He was very strong, very, very quick off his line, and uh, great spring, very good spring. And uh, he told he told me he was a basketball player. And funny enough, I was a basketball player as well. Uh, it wasn't that good, okay. like, but I tried my best. <laughs> but um, yeah, the uh, with the keepers, uh, Tony Colton, uh, he was at Sunderland as a player, Man City as a player. And he came to Manchester United as a goalkeeping coach. So uh, that was my first full-time goalkeeping coach. But when I moved to Greece, first of all, I went to Denmark, which was, which was uh, I enjoyed it because the people in Denmark was really, really nice people. Uh, the goalkeeping coach had his own style. It was, it was different than mine. But uh, I still picked up a few little things, what he did. Because it was funny, you know, uh, a couple of sessions in the week, he we would have trained without gloves. It was it was strange, John. You know, I mean, we used to train about gloves, uh, just because he said makes you feel the ball better and all that kind of stuff. So, I just just one of those things. You 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 carry on and uh, yeah. you listen to him and and uh, you try not. You, you, for me, you can't really upset the goalkeeping coach no. because now it's it's very everybody's got the different uh, opinions. But as long as you can keep that ball out of the back of the net, that's the main thing. Yeah. But Greece, as I said before, Greece was really, really interesting for me because I moved to Greece. The weather was different. The the players was completely different. It was uh, it was so laid back, very laid back. The weather was really warm. When I moved to a team called Offie in Crete, we used to train at three o'clock during the day, which was ridiculous. It was like thirty five degrees heat. 
And I always had to work hard. I wanted to work hard, but the training was really slow because of the heat. So it took me a, it took me a while, uh, but I was only there for six months. And Olympiagos came in and bought me. They bought me after six months, and I moved to Olympiagos, and that was completely different. It was I call Olympiagos like mini Man U because it was so, it was an unbelievable club. The fans were the fans were brilliant. Uh, the, the players, the coaching, the people around the area was really really nice. And of course, the weather was nice as well. Better than Northern Ireland. Better than Ireland. First time you got a suntan, right? Oh, you saw, I had long hair as well, by the way. Look, yeah. uh, go, go in there. Go, trust me, I had long hair and everything. <laughs> and I was one. I, it's um, and I said about that goalkeeper, a goalkeeping coach in Greece. Uh, I still keep in top contact with him, yeah. and uh, he's a great guy. And yeah, we became really, really good friends, and uh, we worked hard. But it, it was a good reward for me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach kids the way he taught me because I thought it was the best way for me to learn. And he, it was hard, but it was fair. All right, we just got a question in. Charlie, raise your hand. Do you see him, Roy? Let me see. Yeah. Oh. Where is he? Keep, keep cheering, Charlie. Keep cheering. Yeah, find him. Charlie wants to know, Roy, <laughs> do you wish you played for Arsenal, which is his favorite team? <laughs> I've played against them and we beat them all the time. No, I'm going to joke. No, Arsenal's not my team, you know. I tell you a wee story. Guess who my team is? Wouldn't say that one more time, Roy. Who do I support? Who did I support when I was growing up? Does anyone know? Does anyone know? No. Liverpool Glasgow Rangers. Liverpool. Ah. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Liverpool. Liverpool. Glasgow Rangers my Scottish team when I was growing up when I was younger. But Liverpool, uh, my brothers and my, my, uh, uh, my sisters, we all support Liverpool. Because Liverpool used to win everything back in the 70s, the 80s. No. That's awesome. But so, Arsenal, were, Arsenal were a good team back in the, the early 2000s when Manchester United and Arsenal used to fight all the time to win the league. You remember the, do you ever watch the old videos of uh, Roy Keane in the tunnel? Charlie. Vieira. Charlie, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Did you see any of them videos? Roy Keane in the tunnel. That was me standing behind no. him, waving at him, saying, keep calm, <laughs> keep calm. <laughs> Good lad. Jonathan, who's one of our newer RGA keepers, he says, I have a question. Can yeah. you ask if there is a keeper you wanted to be? Oh, he's asking that to me. Can, is there a, keep, a specific keeper that you wanted to be? I, I'm assuming he's referring to somebody you looked up to as yo as a younger person that you wanted to be just like. Yeah, I, uh, Pat Jennings was my hero when I was growing up. Pat Jennings was the Northern Ireland goalkeeper. Uh, does anyone know him? I don't think. Do you know him? <laughs> you checking him? He's Time a legend. He's there's, a only legend. Two, there's only two of us, Roy, that know who that is. <laughs> we're we're oh, too my, old. Oh, I know. Let me think. Who else will you be? Are these young ones to look up to? Smeagol's too old. I'm going to retire. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, Pat Jennings. He was Northern Ireland legend over here, and he was a great keeper, unbelievable keeper. Check him up on go uh, Google. Hey, Roy, going off that question in today's EPL yeah. for some of these younger kids that actually do watch it now, who do you rate and why in the goalkeeping world? 
Because obviously See, I, you've got you've got some English guys, but you've got a lot more obviously coming from the continent now playing in the in in the EPL. But who do you rate and why? See, I rate uh, Smile. Yeah, I know this is straight. A lot of people's talking about Liverpool keeper, talking about the Man City keeper. Yeah, uh, very good keepers, really really good keepers. But uh, Smile has been doing it for years in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. And uh, uh, I would like to see what these keepers are going to be like next year and a year after at Liverpool. Uh, yeah. I think for me, you have a young keeper at Sheffield United who everybody's saying he's going to be a next best keeper. Like uh, he's, a, he's on loan for Manchester United. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name now. My head's gone. But uh, he's only been in the Premier League for one year. It's always the next year and the year after. How it's, yeah. it's, it's, you, know, you know what I mean, John? It's one of yeah, those situations. Consistency, can, right? Consistency. Can you keep doing it over and over yeah. and over? And, uh, and, and the talk about uh, Michael, he, he's been doing it for years since, yeah. uh, since Leicester's got in the, in the Premier League. Yeah, and that's where, won, that's, where, after, that's where they won the Premier League because of him as well. Mm. A lot of yeah. people said the strikers won the league, but no, keepers are starting to get knowledge now, uh, recognised by people now. Uh, that's where they're paying £72 million for goalkeepers over here now. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. A lot of money. Crazy, crazy. It is. It's a lot of money. What, a, what about Benny Foster? Great shot stopper. Yeah. But he was the same. He was the same uh, when he was at Watford. He was at Manchester United. He was there for a year. Then yeah. he was let go because he was making mistakes. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm saying about players going to Manchester United. You're bringing the best players outside Manchester United, who are the best team, best player in their team, but are they good enough to play for Manchester United? Yeah, it's a big step up. Isn't uh, it? That's what I'm saying. And uh, you look back at my career at Manchester United, it was, it was like you go in. And I, I sat down in Ferguson and he said, Roy, you know how long we've been watching you for? And I couldn't believe it. He said, we've been watching you for two years, scouting you for two years. And, and it, was, it, was, it was unreal. Like you're thinking someone there is watching you for two years. And the opportunity came and I got that opportunity. And I played 72, 72 games for Manchester United. And... Uh, I played against Peter Smeichel, so I played against his. Uh, uh, I played against him, and he is a very good keeper. But he made he made a lot of mistakes as well as as a goalkeeper. Uh, and young Smeichel does the same, but he is he makes saves at the right time. If you know what I mean, John. Yeah, yeah. He makes he makes saves in the right time. Yeah, no, but he's that's been my, that, that's, like said, that's my like. He's been doing me. it consistently, right, for years, and like you said, he's finally getting the credit for it, and that's what it's about at that highest level, yeah. doing it year in and year out, not just one year here or there. I feel sorry for him because his dad's a legend. You know what I mean? His dad's yeah. a legend. He's, uh, it's, it must be hard. It's mentally, it must be mentally draining for him, like, because yeah, everybody's yeah. saying, how's your dad? Probably say, your dad's this, your dad's that. Yeah. So it proves how mentally strong he is to yeah, go through that. Sure. That's a great point. It's mm-hmm. a great point. Mm-hmm. Wait, can I piggyback off that real quick? Um, nope. <laughs> no, Roy, Roy, Roy and I are talking. Roy and I are talking here. Sorry. No, I think there's a good question to, to piggyback off that is, um, you know, one thing I hear from many of my players is that they feel they have a lot of pressure from coaches, um, uh, maybe not their direct coaches, but people within their club or um, even parents saying, you know, you're so talented, so much of this ahead of you, but they're not ready to – maybe move to the next level themselves. They just want to enjoy the game and have fun. Um, they haven't decided they want to go to college, but everybody keeps telling them what their future is going to be like. Mm-hmm. How do you handle, how did you handle stuff like that, Roy? Uh, and what would be your advice to young goalkeepers who are struggling with, with that pressure? 
it's gonna it's gonna even get worse. It's, it's truth. I'm telling the truth. It's when I was growing up, my dad, my dad wasn't. It's up to you, son. Whatever you want to do, you go and do what you have to do. So I was playing rugby. I was playing. I was playing basketball. I was playing cricket. You name it. I was doing every sport. And when I became 14 years old, that's when I started growing and became a keeper. And I made a decision in my life. I I'm enjoying this. But dad's been a keeper. Of uh, Pat Jennings is a legend. Watched him when I was growing up as well. And for the next three years, I'm working hard to be a goalkeeper. I moved to a team who was semi-pro when I was 16 years old, playing against men. I was playing against men at 15 years old. Proper men. like a, Over here, you call it a Sunday league, which men are coming at you, like uh, smashing you uh, back of the net, coming out for cross. And you grew up very quick in them days. I was playing for a team called Balamallard that we played in Belfast one time. And... Um, we lost the game 5-2. And I got a scout that came up to me and said to me, uh, we'd like to go for a trial. At six, I was only 16 at the time. And I, was, I just walked away because I thought he was being, being stupid, being silly to me, like because I let five goals and we lost the game 5-2. And he said, no, we've seen something in you because your attitude was still good. So I'm saying to young kids, young keepers, your attitude, no matter how many goals you let in or whatever you've been doing, if you're winning 2-0, 3-0, keep your same attitude what you've been doing before because you don't know who's watching. And uh, that's my advice for young, young goalkeepers because uh, I see a lot of young keepers lose their head after let two or three goals in. But um, growing up these days, you've got lots of people giving advice to young players, which I don't, don't agree with. As long as they're happy and enjoying life and enjoying the sport, enjoying goalkeeping or enjoying playing outfield, let them play until they get a certain age. Because a certain age, you have to be more disciplined. Like I'm trying to do a 14, 15, 16 year old keepers, mm-hmm. be more disciplined in their life and uh, be prepared in the right way. Because a goalkeeper is a lonely place and they have to understand that as uh, quick as they can. Because, uh, like I said before, you make a mistake, it's a goal. And not too many people put your arm around you and say, unlucky, keep going. Trust me, I've had, I've had a few of them. How, it, how so, important is it to, to listen to that person speaking into your life versus shutting them down and getting caught alone with your own thoughts? What, say that again? I've just lost that. Oh, I said, how important is it to listen to the person that's putting their arm around you and telling you to shake it off versus shutting them down and getting in your own way? Uh, when I was doing it, it wasn't too many doing it to me, put my arm around me. It was just the way, I was, the way it was growing up them days, you know what I mean? It was just where it is. But you see the England managers doing it now. Uh, the England manager, when a sub comes off, you say, put my arm around him, say, oh, keep going, you did well, just doing a technique, uh, changing for the technique and all that kind of stuff. And uh, football has changed. Uh, for me, you still need a bit of strength in you because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a sport where you have to grow up very quick. Because there's thousands and thousands. Like I was playing in front of 70,000 people, like at Old Trafford. And when you make a mistake there, you you have no you know you made a mistake uh, because it goes very very quiet. So that's the, that's the thing. You have to grow up very quick, and you have to get over that type of thing. Um, and that's what I'm saying. To my young keepers over here um, is all. It's always about let them learn. You're going uh, kids kids young goalkeepers are going to make mistakes. We're not robots. We're going to make mistakes. Senior keepers are going to make mistakes, but we have to try and make less of them when you get older because that's, you have to learn quicker when you get older because it's, 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 it's a big thing if you let a goal in when you get a certain age. Uh, it's a big thing now over here in Northern Ireland when you let a goal in at 12 years old, which I think it's disgraceful because 
goalkeepers walk away from at that age because they're getting uh, picked on by the players, get picked on by the par- some parents and stuff like that, which it's very heartbreaking to see because it's my, it's my spot, uh, spot where I get and I've got parents and ring me up and say my son's thinking about leaving being a goalkeeper because he, he's let six goals in, he's let seven goals in and his teammates were having a go at him and uh, I just said bring him down to goalkeeping school and we, we try and get the belief back into him and get this confidence back in him and uh, sometimes I feel I you have to go around and speak to the coaches and tell them what go, what goes through goalkeeping's brain as well because a lot of a lot of stuff goes through a keeper's head as well at the same time and the outfield coaches don't see that and I think these young keepers need need a lot of help but for the senior keepers it's uh, you grow up very quick and uh, you're still going to make mistakes trust me I've made I've made a few mistakes at Manchester United uh, I think when you get older you you learn more yeah. You're concentrating a lot more when you get older as well, and uh, you make less often, but you still make them. So it's the sort where you bounce back from it. Um, if you can learn from what you've did from that mistake, and uh, you give yourself a pat on the back and move on and uh, carry on, because it's, uh, I don't know what to say, but uh, don't know what. Sometimes my teammates uh, didn't talk to me for a couple of days letting a goal in, but I. When, I, when they don't score, I do the same thing with them because me and the strikers, we always have a bit of banter, a bit of fun between ourselves in training sessions. And uh, that's why I always say the strikers is like, um, you do your job and I do my job because the strikers think they're the best goalkeepers in the world. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> hey, I actually had a question uh, to kind of bounce off that. Yeah. So, right, uh, I know like in the modern day, like goalkeeping's changed a lot. And with yeah. me, my coach this like past season, he really, uh, he really kind of helped me with like my mental game. So, like with the goalkeeper's attitude and demeanor, um, how, how's that have to be affected with like dealing with that type of stress? Because I know with my coach, he had us, uh, well, me in particular, like he took me to play like tennis and racquetball to kind of like help like keep my mind uh, to myself at times to kind of help so, me with my, my my game. Anything like you did like that? So, what do you mean? Do other things outside football? Yeah, outside just to kind of like. Yeah, yeah, outside football, just to kind of like keep mm. keep your mental yeah. game in line. Like if you let one in, you can't let it get to you. You gotta have a quick memory type thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I play golf. I try and play golf. I'm not I'm not good enough though. But I play golf, and it, it gets it gets away from uh, everywhere from uh, people and stuff for three hours, three and a half hours. You play golf for, and you just just relax. Because that, that's the other thing I was gonna say. It was like uh, keepers have to relax. They have to turn off. You can't think about goalkeeping for 24-7. Coaches do, but uh, keepers have to t- turn off as much as they can. If you can turn off after after game and uh, relax and then uh, go back the next day and watch the game and write notes down and see what you can improve on, you know what I mean? Um, for me, if you think, 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 you, you're never going to sleep. You're never going to sleep. You think too much. Uh, that's my... That's my. That was my downfall when I was younger, when I was 20, 21, 22. I might make a mistake and uh, makes five saves. And everybody says, oh, you had a great game. But I turned around and said, no, I let that goal in, which I should have saved. It should have been nil-nil. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's the type of person I, I was and, uh, I'm, I'm, and still is because uh, it was my fault I let that goal in, but I made five wonderful saves. But that goal, we still lost the game one-nil. So uh, that's when I have to try and say to keep, uh, keep us... Uh, you can't blame everything on yourself because sometimes it's it's you have ten players out in front of you as well. So could they help you out as well? It's, if you understand what I'm trying to say, 
it's don't put everything onto yourself because you need to you need to come away from the game and relax outside the game as well. Uh, when you train, you train hard. You give everything. You give hundred percent. And after after training session, go home, relax, and go again because professional footballers over here we only train for an hour and a half on the pitch. An hour, most uh, most hour and a half. Come here if you don't give an hour and a half in, in your life as a goalkeeper. Jeez. It's a great job. It's a great job. I call it a job now because it, it turned out to be a job, but it was my hobby, and that's why I felt I, I felt I loved the game because I lost that hobby, my love for the game, because everything was turned into the job. But it wasn't a job. It's something what you enjoy, something what you enjoy. You look back what you did three three or four years ago, and uh, why do you want, why have you become a goalkeeper? You know what I mean? Why have you become a goalkeeper? Because you enjoy being a keeper. You enjoy diving. You enjoy diving, getting dirty. That was me when I was 15, 16. Enjoy jumping all around the park and coming home and my, my clothes are all filthy. And I, and, uh, and I got that opportunity playing in the professional game, which was amazing. No, I got you. That really helps because like, I'm at the age, like I'm 23 myself. Yeah. And I'm getting, I'm getting ready to kind of move over like across the pond again. Yeah. I'm actually from Greece, so I used to watch it. Are you from Greece? Focus. Yeah, yeah, I'm from a, an island over east in, uh, called Chios. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like, um, just, just like those types of things, like I know a few of the kids, like some of the ones I coach anyway, they kind of get hard on themselves. Yeah. And that's like, it's a, it's a big part of the game, like between the pressure of that and the parents and their coach and uh, the teammates, it's just kind of like don't know really where to turn to because it's been uh, shown the proper See, tool. See, that's the thing. I that's the thing I've done. You see, uh, I speak to the parents, and before I do anything, I said I always try and speak to the parents and get to know the parents and say to the parents like this is going to take a long. This is going to take a, a situation. You know what I mean? If you if this parents should come in and say, right, my son's better than that kid. He should be pushed up to another level. But I'm saying nobody. They think he's better than the other ones. But the thing is, you have to understand that the parents. You have to give them the right technique because the kids over here were being coached before I before I moved back home. Uh, kids are getting coached at eight years old, nine years old by volleying balls at them from six, seven yards out. So what's their what's their technique style? One foot, one foot behind, one foot standing back because they're not strong enough to stand uh, straight on to catch the ball nice and strong. So the hands are like that there, they're dropping everything. So. You have to go back to square one. I says you have to go back to square one. It takes time. It doesn't. You have to take time. I still learned the game till I was forty-two years old, until I retired, and now I'm still learning how. I'm going to be learning how to be a goalkeeping coach because you never stop learning, no matter how, what you think of the game. Because I was still learning new things at forty-two when I was still playing, and it's uh, and football is changing every day, and it will change every year, and it will keep changing. So coaches has to change as well. Uh, but I would like to bring one thing back in as a goalkeeping coach is to come out and catch balls from crosses. I don't like seeing too many punches. That's my one thing I, I always love doing, coming out and commanding the box and catching everything. I do understand the ball's quicker now, but I think goalkeepers are getting quicker as well themselves. So it's it's interesting times for me because I'm, I'm looking forward to be uh, coaching. I was in Nottingham Forest there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was asked to come in the coach the academy goalkeepers in Nottingham Forest, and uh, I was there. I've done one session, and uh, this coronavirus stopped everything for the time being. So I'm hoping to be coming back. I'm hope I'm hoping to be coming back out again 
when this is all over. So I'll be coaching the academy goalkeepers in Nottingham Forest. So I'm learning. I'm learning as well myself. So it'd be interested. Can I say one one thing? What, what, what team did you sport in Greece? Uh, Falk. Ah, I'm a, I'm a big Falk fan, but I always watch Olympiacos and I can. If it's on antenna, I'll basically watch it. So it's crazy because I played for a team called Offy. Yeah, I've heard of them. I'm part of uh, your friends, aren't they? Your friends? Yeah. Black and white. Black and white. Olympiagos is a big team, though, aren't they? Big club. Them and Panathiakos always go at it head-to-head. Crazy. Uh, I won't tell you all the stories about what I was playing in Greece. It was mental. <laughs> but very good. Any other questions? Yeah, guys. Anybody else? No one else has got one. I, I got one more that I want to ask. Go for it, Nico. Uh, yeah, no, Roy, you, you've, been, uh, you've been around a while. You've been, played a lot of places. Um, what, in your opinion, like for a modern-day goalkeeper to become a number one, like what, what should a modern-day goalkeeper like really focus on, on being and like skills, whether that be shot-stopping, handling, feet skills, PK, uh, stopping, and just being agile? See, that's a, that's a really good question you're asking me it's, here. It's, because, it's a loaded question. I, oh, I just okay, thing, want to get your take on it. Because the thing is, like, uh, you have to teach them everything. As a goalkeeping coach, you have to teach these keepers everything. For me, I'm, uh, I can't, for me, I, I'm saying Smeichel because I like them. I've liked him for the last three years. What he, he's got a great strike. He, he's got that presence around the box. Uh, he, he gives good information. He's very loud on the game. That's why I like. But if, if you're going to be a goalkeeping coach, you have to be very careful because you have to coach them everything. Because I played in all leagues. Every league's different. Greece is different to Denmark. Denmark's different to uh, Glasgow uh, Upland Rangers, Scotland. So these, these keepers, you don't know where these young keepers are going to go. But my modern day keeper would be someone like Smeichel at Leicester because I really, I really, that's, it's just me. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Roy Carroll opinion. Other people <laughs> might disagree. Hey, uh, Roy, real quick. We just had two people join. I don't know who iPad 8 is, but I know Natalie. What's going on, girl? You got to take Hi. your... Hey. <laughs> Natalie is from Colorado. She is uh, about, I guess, seven hours behind you. Six, seven hours, Roy, from Ireland. Natalie, yeah. can you introduce yourself real quick? Hello, my name is Natalie. I play for the Colorado Rapids, and I'm in the U15 age group. Hi, uh, yes. Nice and to meet you. Had eight. Are you from Ireland? Hmm? I, I, who, the newcomer. He, he's got iPad 8 as his name. Oh, he just blocked his camera. <laughs> what is your name? Oh. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. I will, I will send him a message. I do have a question for you. Um, yeah. What are you noticing um, uh, with the trends in goalkeeping? Because, you know, I'm sure Bush can um, agree uh, that we kind of are on are the, the late ones. We're a little behind the English goalkeeping um, in the UK. You guys seem to be always ahead of the curve with goalkeeping. But where are you seeing the direction of goalkeeping going, uh, style of play, et cetera? Um, What's what's changing um, in our position over there in the UK? 
Does that make sense? The thing, uh, it's not. It's, no, I do. I understand what you're saying now, but uh, it's it's not. It's just the things what they're trying to do now is like uh, it's it's probably the same as in America. I've seen a lot of lot of British goalkeepers uh, out there at the moment. Uh, Jordan Heat. I've I've watched uh, I watched American training, and it's the same thing because because the MLS, if you understand, MLS is getting a lot of uh, coaches up moving out there. Ex people like David Beckham was going out there with Miami, but over here now, what England's doing, you have a lot of foreign keepers coming in, goalkeeping coaches coming in, and uh, back in the day, it was that you catch, catch, catch everything in training. But that for me as a goalkeeper. Um, if you don't catch in training, how are you going to catch in in, um, in a game? And that's what the thing what I would like to try and bring back is a goalkeeper to be very comfortable comfortable in catching, uh, catching the ball because that's that's her that's her business that's her bread and butter is catching the ball. Um, we had a young keeper at Northern Ireland who moved to Burnley, really really strong keeper, really big, very tall. And he, um, I've said to him, why do you not catch the ball in training when we trained together at Northern Ireland when I was still playing? He said, we were told to parry it in the right right area. I said, yeah, you parry it in the right area if you can't catch it. But uh, he, he just got in that habit. He was parrying everything. So you watch, if you, anybody watches football, uh, soccer, match of the day over here on a Saturday night when it, when it comes back on again, it's always that second phase when the keeper makes a save, parries it out. I, I watch the first phase and uh, see if you could if he could hold on to it and stuff like that there. But that's, that's just the main thing that I... Personally, what I feel could change a bit more for the goalkeepers in in, in the future, uh, try and catch more. I understand the ball's getting smaller, um, getting getting lighter, and they go quicker. But if you can concentrate, if you can concentrate and catching that ball in training, your belief, you get good belief in catching the ball in match days. That's just my opinion. Like, and and there's a lot of keepers out there who you are coaching the kid, kids again. A lot of volleys because you you watch the hair at Manchester United. He saves a lot of shots with his feet. And uh, it's very interesting. I would like to go over and see what type of goalkeeping training he's doing at the moment, because that was something. That's something I do understand. He did really well at the start, but he's doing it. He's doing it a lot now. He's doing it a lot, and uh, and at the moment he's not. He's not performing very well in the last two seasons. So I wonder. I'm just wondering if that's causing a problem for him. Yeah. Hopefully that. Do you understand? Oh, do you understand? Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It's something that even me, I, you know, I, I try to watch any trainings on YouTube that they release and look at it myself and ask Bushy and other goalkeeping coaches. Um, I, I believe in the clean hands as much as possible. I see a lot of my goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, they'll watch um, a lot of Premier League and and uh, Marcus. Where are you? We, you went to go see Man City in person last year, right? Remember the session? Yes, I did. Yeah, and what did you do when you came back? Uh, I tried performing like them, which failed. Yeah, he came back <laughs> yeah, right hand. What were they doing? He, he was catching like Edison, except instead of making the clean catch, he'd just bring it all down in front of him when it was mm. easily a clean catch, you know? And so it's something that – you know, I, I talk to my keepers, you know, try to hold on to it as much as possible. I mean, there's a time to bring it down, but really at their level of play, for the most part, they should be able to have clean hands, in my opinion. But that's the thing, everything. you see, uh, yeah. a lot of young keepers, a lot of young keepers would watch YouTube and see all these senior keepers that are doing these lovely saves, top corner saves, but how did they get themselves to be like that? For me, 
my technique was weird as well. Everybody's got different techniques, but if you can give them the basic stuff, the mm-hmm. bottom on the way, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I was uh, get your hands out in front, get your hands out, out in front of your body to catch that ball. As, uh, if it goes low, you can get, scoop it up. If it goes high, you can get it out. But if you swing your hands back, uh, if you, have, you watch all the Premier League keepers' hands now, they're really, really low. Even when the ball's 18, 16 yards out, uh, in the box, outside in the box, the hands are always low. So the balls are going 60, 70 miles an hour, which is very fast. You know what I mean? It's very fast. So how can you get your hands from low position up to a high position to catch the ball? Um, that's the basic technique, what you should be doing at a certain age. Uh, when, you get, uh, when you get 30 years old, 20, 29, 30 years old, we're not working on technique. Coaches don't work on technique. We're working on fitness, keeping them concentrating, getting prepared for the game in the right way. Uh, when you're a young keeper, you're, prepared, you're, you're coaching them basic stuff and, and body weight forward, your head, your head, your head over your body, your, over your knees, on your toes, but not right on your toes. Uh, don't cross your feet at a certain time, you know what I mean? But now you cross your feet all the time because you come for a cross that's behind you. You have to cross your feet to catch it. It's, it's crazy. Keepers got a lot to learn at a certain age, which you bought a lot of things in a young, young person's brain at a certain age. And uh, sometimes you have to be very careful to do that. And uh, that's why I only do sessions for one hour and we do one technique. Every, every session we do, we only do one technique. So we work on that technique for these young keepers. Because you don't want kids to walk away and say, I can't do that. You know what I mean? If you give them six or seven things to do in one session. Yeah, yeah your brain can't handle that. <laughs> I go on. I always go on one there, so I, I'm, I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, no, it's this is good. Is everybody enjoying this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. That's awesome. Do you understand? Do you understand me though? Do you understand me? I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody else have any other questions? Um, I have one question. Um, so what was one sort of um like sort of technical thing that was like mentally tough for you to get down and like how did you sort of like kind of put your brain to the side and just sort of um overcome that issue it was my it was my left side i was very weak on my left side no matter what shot on my left side low middle uh high i don't know why because um i probably wasn't stepping into the shot like it was on my right side uh, i was used to take a half a step on my right side and push push through but my left side would just give way. And uh, the ball used to go, I used to save it, but it used to go inside uh, the side netting, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it wasn't pushing outwards. And uh, I just worked on it. Um, I've done, um, I, I put on YouTube, watched the uh, goalkeepers uh, diving on the left side, diving on the right. And there was a lot of, a lot of um, building your, your glutes, working your glutes, because my left side, my glute was really, really weak. And that's why I never had that power to push off on my left side. That was my weakness. Still is my weakness, but don't tell anybody if in case I come back and play. <laughs> it's our secret, Roy. <laughs> anybody else? All right, I'm going to ask you one final one. Because um, uh, we're actually going to take uh, this recording and put it on our podcast, which is on um, it's Coffee and Leadership with Pros. It's available on um, Apple Podcast and Spotify if you guys want to re-listen to the recording of this. But um, leadership, what are two of the biggest things in all your years in Premier League, your two leadership lessons that you learned while playing uh, Premier League and playing pro? 
what I learned. Yeah, two leadership, big leadership lessons that you learned while playing pro in the Premier League. One of uh, the biggest one was when I went to United, Manchester United, to be a winner. Every every time we, every time we even even training sessions, that was a that was a big big thing at United. That's what I learned. Uh, is that one? Can That's you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you. What's the second? Sorry, and um, the second one is. Nah, I was gonna say, I was I was a bad loser. I hated losing. I swear. You can speak to my wife. You speak to my wife. She would never. If we if I lost it on a Saturday, she would never speak to me because she knew I won't speak to her for about two days, three days. I was really really crazy when I was younger, but I've I've led I've I've learned now to realize it's a game. But you want to win, but you have to work harder to get back to win the next game. So I don't go that and just be crying for the next two or three days. I will go back in the training now on a Monday and work hard with the players and give players there. And that's what I've learned as well. That was my number two. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you definitely got to be. Um, I don't think anybody's a good loser, but you no. can, <laughs> you have to get over it faster. <laughs> There's a way you can get over it, like. But uh, I was I was really really bad, like even the players. Even the players said that they were scared to come in on a Monday morning to play a train with me. I don't know why I'm a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I was just reading something in a in a book. It's a really a book called Another Shot, and it's talking about like rebounding from losses. Um, in yeah. Adversity. And they said aggressiveness is really good. It's one of the number one traits of every professional athlete that you need to have. Every winner. But you need to remember, don't be aggressive on people. You need to be aggressive on adversity. <laughs> so. it's, it's, it's true. The same thing in football now in my, in my career. When you watch Premier League players now, you watch Premier League players after losing. I do understand that we're all friends in the game and all that, but supporters are paying a lot of money to come watch these players in, in the Premier League. Uh, when I first came back from Greece five years ago, six years ago, and you seen Chelsea and Man U, I think Chelsea beat Man U 4-0, uh, I think it was, down in Chelsea. Mm. And all the players are coming off, swapping tops, smiling, being happy. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> so they're swapping shirts, putting your arms around each other, and some fans paying £200 to come, uh, just a normal fan to come down and watch them play at London. It's really, really difficult to watch, but that's it's just the way football's changing. Yeah. yeah. So I keep saying football, I mean soccer. Sorry. <laughs> if, if they're a true soccer player, they know what real football is. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, I tell you the truth. If any of you ever got a chance to go and watch a Greek football uh, soccer match, go and watch Olympiagos and Pandagos. Good teams. It's just, it's, it's just you it's won't a, believe how crazy it is. The big rivalry, like huge. Like I thought, I thought, I thought Rangers and Celt, uh, Rangers and Celtic was big. But limp, I, I, I played in it. <laughs> <laughs> I played in it. Um, what was your funniest moment in soccer? My funniest? Yes, we'll play. What's your funniest Funny moment? The, uh, the funniest now is the one, uh, looking back, was the goal I let in, which wasn't a goal, if you know what I mean, against Spurs back in 2005. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> what did I do, Rob? Do you remember? Did you see it on the YouTube? I, I did see it on YouTube. Yeah, so I've met. I've met you heavily. 
I'll look back now and say that's the funny because everybody asked me about it. It's not what happened. Uh, nobody says how about that save in the semi semi finals a couple or whatever other game. It's uh, what happened that goal. I said it's not a goal. It's no nil. Look, go back and check it. It's no nil. <laughs> well, well, tell but us what I, happened for those who don't know. What happened? Yeah. Right. Some guy I don't know his name. Some player for post, uh, from Spurs kicked the ball from the halfway line. I was running back looking at the ball, wanted to catch the ball. Gary Neville was running out to my right. So instead of me watching the ball the whole way in, I took my eye off it to look at Gary, hit my chest, hit my hands, went over my shoulder. Before I went over the line, I scooped it before I went over the line and uh, pulled it back and finished the game nil-nil. And uh, that was it. I think I saw this one too. And they took it the all away. Can you, can you get it up on YouTube and let everybody see? Who is this? All right. It was against the Spurs. Right. And then the referee said, the referee said to me, was that a goal, Roy? And I said, no. And I'm like this. That's before VAR, Roy. So you were okay. They didn't, they didn't have cameras then. So. I know, but the way it works over here, I think I'd be still okay. Yeah, it's working over here. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Listen, terrible. This is so controversial. I type in Roy Carroll to YouTube, and then it finishes my sentence in YouTube. It says, the goal that never was. So this must <laughs> be it, right? Hold on. I know the announcers are having a great, uh, great time with the line out there. That was, <laughs> that was something. I got, uh, the referee came out and blamed me. <laughs> Hold on a second here. What's that? You got it in Spanish? I don't know. We, oh, yes, here it is. Here it is. Okay. So let me, I'll sh give me a second and I'll, I'll play it for everybody. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not sure why it's doing this. All right, hold on. Not working. No, no, no. no. Just, uh... No, don't worry. It's okay then. Leave it. No, no, no. <laughs> I got yeah, I'll leave it, don't worry. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, well, very well. Um, so any last questions, guys, before we wrap this up here? Don't be shy. I, don't worry. I'm, I'm loving this now. I could stay here all night. Nobody? Nobody. Nobody. All right. Well, Nico, John, did you have any final words? Oh, appreciate Roy giving us his time. Obviously, he's played at the highest level for all you youngsters, uh, you know, and it's fascinating just to listen to his stories and uh, and spend the time with us because he's obviously got a wife and family. So uh, make sure you understand that, uh, you know, it's a privilege to talk to somebody like Roy. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, yeah no, same. Just big thank you. Uh, it was great. I never thought I'd get to actually speak with you over uh, FaceTime, Zoom like this, and uh, I hope uh, – you're, you're well and everything kind of settles down from soon so everyone can get back to what's uh, known as normal. Yeah, 100%. Good luck. Good luck when you go back home, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to go back home this summer, but it doesn't look like it. And I'm still waiting uh, to see what my travel plans are with Italy. So. Oh, are you going to Italy? Is it Italy you going to go? Yeah, or? yeah, I'm supposed to okay. move to uh, Rome to play. So uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm staying in contact with them to see uh, when it's safe. But yeah. I wish you luck. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, guys, thank you so much um, for joining us today. And um, Roy, thank you. 
uh, for taking time out of your day. What time is it there? Like 11 or so? It's uh, half eleven. No, no half seven. half seven. seven. You got me there. You got me there. It's <laughs> half seven. All right. Well, guys, thank you as always. Thank you very much. Take Cheers. care, everyone. Enjoy. Have a great look day, up. guys. See look you. Look after Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Bye. bye. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers, Roy. Take bye, care. Roy. All the best. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. Bye, Amanda. Bye, guys. Bye.